Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Evan Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're answering a listener question who is looking at alternative strategies. This is Serena who's messaged in, so thanks, Serena. And she said, look, I'm interested in learning other strategies for investing other than the Burr method, which is the buy, renovate, refinance, repeat that we talked about a few episodes ago. She says, what's an alternative for that? She says she's a, a high income earner with some good serviceability. She doesn't want 20 plus properties. She's got three already and she says it's a headache around <laughs> tax time. So what are, what are some other strategies? I don't want a massive portfolio, but would it be a valid strategy to concentrate on high capital gains areas, even if it's slightly negative cash flow? And you might think, Ed, did you guys just message this to yourselves, given that this is the strategy, this is the ideal sort of person that our strategy that we usually use at OPAs would work for? And the answer is no, Serena actually sent it in. But I do think that we have been guilty sometimes during this show and in terms of not talking about the, the main strategy, we actually do follow at OPAs because we don't want to come across like we're trying to ram it down anybody's throat in, these, in this case. So I just thought, Andrew, let's, let's open this up since Serena's asking about it. What is that kind of other alternative to the to the Burr if you do have some good income, some good serviceability, bit of, bit of equity within these three properties in Serena's case? What's the alternative? Yeah, so so yeah, it's right. Serena is the, the picture-perfect client for OPAs Partners. And that's because we focus on a very hands-off, uh, low-stress model. So we do focus on newer quality properties that are maybe a little more expensive than buying an older property, but tend to have lower vacancy, lower maintenance, and be focused in higher capital growth areas. And Serena's hit the nail on the head. Often, you might be slightly negative cash flow on those type of products. You are paying something for the privilege of not having any stress. You're paying for that insurance policy of lower vacancy, lower maintenance, and normally that's in a, ne- a slightly negative cash flow. That's assuming that you're not using your cash, you're borrowing 100%. And we're in an awesome part of the market right now where you can buy something in Auckland and it be cash flow positive from day one or neutral, which we're seeing all the time. We're helping clients get into the Auckland market with no money down and uh, no cash on a weekly basis, which is amazing because it's it's the super city when it comes to capital growth because of those low interest rates and the fact that uh, there's a bit of pressure, upward pressure on rents right now. So Serena, what we tend to follow on is to as acquire as many of those um, higher capital growth properties as one might need. And uh, interestingly enough, that number's not as high as what you might think. So I remember when I started out investing, I'd go to seminars and the, the number was always 10. Uh, you know, buy 10 rental properties and you'll be set. Now, uh, is that 10 $200,000 properties or $1 million properties? They know, there's no real answer around that. So what we do is we actually look at what you actually need and we trial out different areas based on what your cash flow will afford. So say for example someone came to me and said hey I've got $200 a week that I can afford to put towards rental properties. I might say okay well let's buy something in Auckland that might cost let's say $100 a week when interest rates were a little bit higher Uh, and then you might look at something in Hamilton which might cost $50 a week and then you might look at something in Christchurch that might cost $50 a week and those three properties their capital growth based on say 6% in Auckland and four or five percent elsewhere um, might get you to where you need to be financially and then you might couple that with a uh, low maintenance high yielding property like a dual key apartment or or a room by room rental something that's not going to go up very much in value comp- comparatively but will give you a superior cash flow so that your portfolio as a whole can be neutral 
Uh, and so you don't need to worry about where that $200 a week is coming from later on down the track, particularly if you're going to enter retirement in the time that you're wanting that growth. But very hands-off, low stress is our model. And just to talk exactly about what is that strategy, the strategy is to buy perhaps three to five properties, six properties maybe, but a, a small enough number that you're not stretched either in terms of, of worry and, and stress or, or that kind of emotional strain or financial strain as well. So building a decent sized portfolio, remembering that five or six properties is actually, you'll be one of the biggest property investors in, in New Zealand. You'll be certainly in the top kind of 5% of investors if you do get to six or above properties and focusing on new. Now, why are new properties negatively geared or why do they tend to be lower yielding? It's because you are capitalizing all of the maintenance costs because you're buying everything new. And so you're foregoing other maintenance costs further into the future where they would otherwise be higher. And so you're having that lower stress because you're paying for everything to be new upfront so you have lower stress ongoing. That's why you do see a difference within the yield of these sorts of properties. That's why they tend to not be as, as high yielding, but that in essence has a benefit within there. Now, the other option as well, if you still wanted to be a relatively passive investor, but didn't want to focus on you, is you could do what Tim, one of our property partners recently did, and we'll get him on the show to actually talk about this, which is where he bought a series of units and then paid professionals, so builders and tradespeople in order to renovate those and still do the, the burr method, but without actually being involved himself. Now, I was having dinner with Izzy, his wife and him, and she was saying to me, look, I don't think for the stress that's involved, anybody should renovate themselves. She said, if you don't have the money to, to, to pay professionals to, to be able to do this, then you shouldn't be doing it. And she identified that actually, if you do use professionals or tradespeople in order to renovate properties for yourself, then that actually has the benefit of lower interest costs. Because if you renovate a property yourself, it's going to take longer for you to turn that around and then it get back onto the market. Now, over that time, you're still incurring interest costs from the bank because you've taken out a mortgage in order to be able to settle and purchase that property. But if you get professionals in, then and it only takes two weeks as opposed to two months in order to be able to turn that property around and get it rented, then you're going to save on interest costs. So it can be a little bit horses for courses here. I also say that um, that's true when it comes to an accountant or a property manager. If you can't afford to buy a property with an accountant or a property manager in your budget, don't do it. Uh, if you can't afford to use a property manager in your budget, just, just defer until you can or find something that will allow you to pay that because at some stage it might become a headache and and as as uh, this this particular question says, uh, I have three properties that headache around tax time. Um, we need some tax advice there because I know that I have very little to do with my tax return filing. Uh, my my professionals do that for me, so I wonder whether or not Serena is doing a lot of that work grunt work herself. If she is, we would want a solution there where it's hands off. Because the interesting thing here is, I suspect she's um, been able to grow her portfolio more. But the fact that she sees it as a headache means that. She She's exhausting mental bandwidth, and I remember that this was where I was getting uh, get, getting held back by my own uh, ability to grow my portfolio. I could do it, but I didn't want the hassle of it, and so that is actually why the Opus system exists, because Andrew Nickel went through all of the possible scenarios of, of property investing and, and used all the different methods, and went, actually, these ones are quite a lot of hassle, and these ones, whilst they might cost me a bit more in the outset, 
it allows me to grow my portfolio because it's no longer an issue for me. I have so little to do with my portfolio that buying another property I don't even give a second thought to. Whereas previously, when I was a bit more hands-on, it, it was a hassle. And that just compares, if I can think about uh, the other episode that we did about about Juno Investing Magazine, one quote that I left out from Tom Alexander, who uh, was from the Hawke's Bay, had 33 properties, who manages all of them himself, is he says, oh. it's not just full-time, it's very full-time, he says, <laughs> he says with a laugh, you love the New Year's Eve call-out where the tenants are locked out of the house. And he followed the Burr method. And again, that's the alternative is to do the, the buy new, Use professionals in order to be able to manage those properties without the stress. Keep it not, I don't want to say small because a portfolio of five, six, seven properties is not small by by national standards, but by compared to some of the other case studies you sometimes read of very, very successful property investors who have 122 properties, it, it seems relatively small. So that's the alternative to the Burr method that bind you keep it relatively small, use lots of professionals in order to be able to leverage their time and then don't worry about it afterwards. Yeah. So so today is somewhat of a shameless plug, but that's because we, we were genuinely asked by Serena and thanks for the question, Serena, because uh, yeah, I, I think we probably have been a little remiss not actually making it completely clear uh, what our model is and it is the easiest way to become a successful property investor in New Zealand. Hey, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. We It really does help us get the message out to more people and if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, then our monthly webinars are back uh, for this month. It's happening on the 30th of June. So that's uh, uh, next Tuesday at 7pm. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Uh, or you can just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash webinar. And we are going to be talking about will property prices really double in the next 10 to 15 years? What are the arguments for that happening? What are the arguments against? We're going to have a really interesting discussion and debate. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.